Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. We're going to bring you Lee Ryder's season review of the 2019-20 campaign, which of course has been disrupted by COVID-19 and the Newcastle United takeover, which seems to be dragging on for an eternity. Over the next 40 minutes or so, we're going to be discussing that deal, which we hope will be passed by the Premier League eventually, as well as Newcastle's lack of goals, their 13th place finish, Joe Linson, the transfer dealings, and whether Steve Bruce has done a good, decent, average or below average job, which seems to be the argument over on social media. So sit back and enjoy the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm joined by Chief Sports Writer Lee Ryder. Lee, thanks for coming on to the show. This is, like we said, your season review and it's been quite the season, not how we expect it to end by any stretch of the imagination. Um, just before we do dive in, uh, obviously the takeover has distracted a lot of the attention away from Newcastle United. Um, we've kind of tried to steer away from the question of the takeover in recent episodes of the podcast. Um, but... The season's ended. The focus is back on to whether Newcastle are going to have new owners. As of the 28th of July, just after one o'clock, what is your latest understanding of what is going on with the potential new owners of Newcastle United? Well, I think you've got to look at it and say that now we, we definitely have reached the stage where we need clarity from the Premier League. Um, I, I know they don't normally come out and make these sort of statements, but it's got to the point now where it's just it's negative. Um, we've got the fan base bickering with each other, and you know, on social media. Um, there's big problems um, in terms of Mike Ashley hasn't hasn't actually addressed this yet. The window has been open for more than 24 hours. They're having a meeting on Wednesday. It's it's just a mess, basically, and um, we need to know what's going on in terms of. Where do the clubs stand on this? Can they can they accept this offer or can they not accept it? Because if they can't, then they either have to come up with a game plan themselves for next season or give somebody else the opportunity to, to come in and bid. And obviously there's we understand there's somebody else who who wants to to come in and, and try and take this thing over. But at the moment, because no one's speaking on the record. It's very difficult and um, and that, that causes a lot of complications. Certainly does. Looking at the season then, obviously COVID-19 was the other massive distraction to the 2019-20 season. Newcastle ended up finished finishing 13th. Their season kind of petered out towards the end. Were you left disappointed, especially after the Bournemouth game? Because obviously, you know, they played Bournemouth off the park. Um, they'd had a very good start to the restart of the Premier League and then it you know, the top 10 was a possibility, maybe, you know, ninth or eighth even. And then it's just, it just petered out and we were left probably feeling like Newcastle missed an opportunity, do you think? A little bit, but I think if you look at, I think, well, the 10 points adrift from the top 10 in the end, um, with the greatest will in the world, were they going to pick up four wins from the last six games? When you look at the calibre of opposition, Probably weren't. Should they have beaten last season's point tally? Probably should. There was games there what they could have won against Brighton and Watford. Um, they didn't do it. And yeah, I think petering out is probably the best best way to look at it. But I just think sometimes psychologically with players, once they're safe, once they're not going anywhere and there's not 
there's nothing to play for, then it doesn't matter what you do, what you say to them, they just cannot get that sort of intensity back, especially when there's been no crowds as well. Um, that's been another factor. I know it's been the same for everyone, but even Liverpool lost a, a couple of games in the, in the, after lockdown. So, look, it's been fair play to everyone for, for getting the season back up and running and to a point where we've at least had you know, the nine games to to enjoy and give us some much-needed entertainment because, let's be honest, it was pretty bleak during lockdown. We were all stuck behind doors. We all missed the football. As serious as the COVID-19 situation was, um, we, we all missed being able to, to go to the match and missing seeing friends and stuff like that. So it did have big mental issues for people. So... Um, <coughs> Excuse me. But I just think that for Steve Bruce, he'll be disappointed with 13th. Um, the fans, if they'd have been offered that back in July when he first came in, they'd have probably taken that. Um, but it's it's neither here nor there, really, 13th. It's 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 not a top 10 position where you can at least say they've, they've, they've achieved something special. But by the same token... It, they didn't get relegated and they were never ever you know after October they were never ever in danger of the drop so that's the way you've got to look at it I think I got into Steve Bruce and how he's done in just a moment but for you being one of the only reporters you know that to cover Newcastle after lockdown the home experience is, is, is one thing but to travel down to the likes of Brighton where you know you usually see uh, you know bus after bus of supporters or if you're on the train you see you know, loads of supporters on the train. What was it like covering it as an away journalist, you know, and, and traveling all that distance and not having that famous away support that Newcastle is well known for? Yeah, it, it was extremely strange, um, especially the Bournemouth game, which was the first away game for over three months. Now, for a game like that, sometimes we even actually fly down for that for that game and it's it's quite a nice experience to to be able to fly down to the south coast and you know cover the game and then go to your hotel as normal but like for that one obviously there was the public transport situation still wasn't clear so you know that was a, a long trip by road uh, and then even checking into the hotel was strange because you just become out of practice on something like that. And it was like going back in time, really, finding yourself somewhere else apart from the four walls of your, of your home kind of thing. So it was strange. Um, all the restrictions are obviously in place in hotels now where you, you've got to keep your mask on and keep sanitising your hands. Um, the staff have got big plastic sort of barriers up in front of them, you know, you have to take your own food everywhere you go. So it's a very different experience to, to what it was like before. But, you know, that's now. I mean, by the time we went to Brighton, I think things were starting to, I wouldn't say they were normal because there's still a lot of COVID restrictions there. But because the weather's nicer now and people don't have to be behind doors, um, it was a lot busier down there. But still, you know, you go to these grounds and there's nobody there apart from stewards, staff, and journalists, and it and it's it is very strange, and it, it it'll never it'll never feel normal until the fans are back. 
fingers crossed. I think there's talk of getting at least some fans back in by October. Honestly, Bruce then plenty of debate whether he's the right man for Newcastle, whether he's done a better job than Rafa Benitez. Sorry, we've had to mention Rafa Benitez, but we're going to have to because it's a comparison that's been made. So many questions are asked Bruce's future. But if you go right back to the start of the season, pre-season, you were in China, you know, you went out there, Ben Dawson was taking the team, then Steve Bruce came out. Things could have gone drastically wrong in that time that Steve Bruce was appointed and then the season starts. You haven't got that long to really prepare. You know, it could have gone very chaotic. And here we are at the end of the season, Newcastle comfortably safe. Would you, would you say, based on the circumstances that he came in, he's, he's done a good job or a decent job? Well, I, I said after the Bournemouth game, I, I said, you know, if, if Newcastle beat next season's tally, then he's done a 7 out of 10 job. Uh, if they don't, he's done a 6 out of 10 job. And I think they're, I think they're fair scores. So for me, 6 out of 10, um, he did come in when the transfer window was more or less done. Um, the, the players that they had on the table were there. He didn't really have a chance to put his own stamp on the team. Uh, he did a little bit more so in, in January because all three of them signings were were his individual choices. Um, so you you've got to look at that and think. I, I mean, for me, if the season hadn't have been interrupted, then I think Danny Rose would have probably regained his fitness and he would have finished strong. Um, Bendelev as well hadn't played much. He he got interrupted, uh, and Lazaro he got the red card, didn't he? So that didn't help him before and. He never really got that run in the team um, for whatever reason. So I, I think there were three decent signings, but they just didn't have chance to, to to kick on. So for me, I think really we go we go into the summer window where this is Steve Bruce's opportunity to 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 really put his stamp on the team. Um, he's going to have to do it with a limited budget. But look, I think Steve Bruce is, is a realist and he knows that if Newcastle had five hundred million to spend. Every every window, then he wouldn't. He probably wouldn't be in the position for the job because it would be somebody from the A-list management, um, and he knows he knows exactly where, where he stands. Uh, he's done a steady job, but he said himself that not you know when he first got the job, he said not everyone can be a Champions League winner like Rafa Benitez was. So he knows he knows that he's in a certain band of managers where a good job for Newcastle will be finishing in the top 10 and trying to do something in one of the cups. And that's probably the most you're ever going to get for a manager under Mike Ashley, uh, because he's just not prepared to push, to push things where they can challenge for the top six again. I mean, if you look at what Stipus has had to deal with this, this season, replacing Rafa Benitez is hard enough. You then have an, yeah. a, a takeover that looked like it was going to happen pretty quickly and obviously that's still ongoing which then affects the summer transfer window because Mike Ashley is going to speak to Steve Bruce later this week and he probably thought he wasn't going to have to do that he probably thought by the time the season ended even if it ended maybe back in May that he wouldn't be owner so I mean Steve Bruce has had a lot to deal with and that's still going on and we talk about the summer there um it's going to be difficult to I mean you can never predict what Mike Ashley is going to do but it's going to be even harder this time around because in a way, he's well. He is. He's in limbo, like the rest of us, waiting for this takeover to be rejected or approved. Well, exactly, and I think 
until he has clarity. I mean, he's asked for clarity about six or seven times yeah. on the record. Uh, that's that's quite outspoken, really. For you know, for for all these people who say he's Mike Ashley's puppet, that's quite outspoken to demand some clarity on where things stand. And I think he's probably been treated with a bit of disrespect um, by by those above him because at the end of the day, he's had to sit at home during lockdown. Um, look, look how hard it was for everybody. He'll have his own settings in his life and he's had to sit down and turn the telly on and see Pochettino on yellow ticker, breaking news on Sky, saying he's number one choice for the Newcastle job when he hadn't been informed of anything himself. So whether people like him, dislike him, is irrelevant. That, that's not a way to treat a person and that's what he had to put up with. I mean, we had four months ago, we had the, the breaking news on Sky saying Sale agreed when now me and you both know that wasn't the case and we didn't report that for a reason because it nothing was agreed, nothing was rubber stamped. There was a price set, but at the end of the day, that's as far as it got and here we are, you know, 12, 13 weeks down the line and it, and it still hasn't been resolved. So I think we've all got to be careful um, with what we what we say and how we how we comment on things. But until the Premier League approve that deal, then nobody knows where they stand. And Steve Bruce is the man who's trying to pick the team because he's the one who'll be judged. He'll be the one who, if he only gets two or three loan signings and a free transfer, he's got to go back in a battle and try and get 40 points again. So it's a difficult job. He knew that when he came in, but he just he couldn't resist it because he's obviously a boyhood Newcastle fan. So fair play him. I think he's done a steady job. I'm not. I, I would never say he's done a bad job because he's he's probably done more than people expected. Um, the points tally, you know, Rafa Benitez got 44 points two years ago and finished tenth. It just depends on how things how things fall in the Premier League. Um, so 44 points from 38 games, it's not a bad tally. It's not brilliant. No one's saying that, but I think he's done a good job in the circumstances. It's very much a case, isn't it, that you can... Uh, for me, I think people sometimes forget to separate the season and, and what Steve Bruce has managed with that team and the ambition that Mike Ashley harnesses for the club. You know, the, if the uh, direction, the instruction was to survive in the Premier League... Steve Bruce has done that and he's done that very well because like we say, he wasn't in the Newcastle winning the relegation zone since what was it, October? Yeah. And I think for me the important bit is to separate what Mike Ashley wants for this club and what Steve Bruce has had to, to go out and achieve. And sometimes I think that's that gets forgotten because at the end of the day, there's only one man who's responsible for arguably the stagnation of Newcastle United, and that is Mike Ashley and his lack of want to take Newcastle into a top into the top ten. Yeah, I mean, Mike Ashley, unfortunately, he doesn't he doesn't do himself any favors by not speaking um, to the media, and I know not every owner does that. But at Newcastle, clear communication is needed, and we we got we got assurances that there was going to be better communication this season. Last August, sat down with Lee Charnley. Um, spoke to him face to face and he said 
he was going to improve it. He said, I'm not going to speak every week. He doesn't want to provide a running commentary. And we're not asking for a running commentary, but we need to know certain things at certain times. The last four months has been one of those times where we need some clarity on what's going on at our football club. And we haven't heard that. So, I mean, Mike Ashley's come out and done a few interviews with Sky before. And, you know, they were interesting and they've got picked up by every other outlet. There's no doubt about that. But he needs to be clear on what he's doing. Now, from from his point of view, let's, you know, let's, let's look, let's try for a minute to, to look at it through his eyes. Basically, last August, he'll say, um, I put £40 million down for a marquee signing. Um, I bought in a few other players. We've got Alan St. Maximin in. Uh, he'll feel that he, he coughed up last last summer. He can't he can't make Joe Linton put the ball in the back of the net. You know he can't he can't make sure that signs are a success. He, he doesn't know enough about football from a technical point of view. He knows a lot about business, but he can only be guided on certain things. The Joe Linton deal for me hasn't been a success, unfortunately. He's not, a, he's not an out-and-out centre-forward. He's certainly not someone you give the number nine shirt to because of all the expectations and all the history that comes with it. He's somebody who's obviously... He's obviously physically a, a good player. He's played in every game. He's he's done a job with the team. He's never gave up. He's just not an out-and-out goal scorer. He's someone who obviously plays out wide. If Newcastle had bought him in, even at £40 million, and said what position he was at the start. He's a, he's a wide man. He's not he's not the Alan Shearer type number nine that we all, you know, love to see. And they hadn't given that shirt number then. The, the narrative might have been different, but, you know, I, I personally think they, they, made, they made a mistake from a PR point of view on that one. And Mike Ashley will say that's not his fault. Now, moving on to this summer, if he is going to be in charge, then they're going to have to all get their heads together and bring in whatever the price, three, four, five players that are going to get people excited again because that's going to, the, the emphasis is going to be back on the pitch. Um, I think Steve Bruce has got some good ideas in terms of players he wants to bring in. So you've got to let him go out and do it. And if, if he can't, and it, he's going to be hit with one roadblock after another, then we're going to be in a similar position next season at best because if if they don't uh, get to October and they're out of the relegation zone, you just, it could be a long, hard winter again. So let's let's see what happens. But you know, cl- clarity is a word from more from from more than one direction at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I think we're at a pound for every time a journalist Steve Bruce has used that. We could we could maybe buy the club ourselves. Um, just before I get some quick fire answers into the season. We mentioned there the accusation that sometimes Steve Bruce is he's called a puppet, he's called Mike Ashley's man. But if you read the quotes over the last few weeks about you know wanting to progress, even in the in the the pre in the uh, match day program from the Liverpool game, you know he said this is our third year back in the top flight and we've comfortably stayed up this time around. But we can't just be happy with that. We need to keep edging forward, trying to improve, and with the season only a few weeks away, we will look to do exactly that. So he's not exactly sitting there and saying I'm going to be happy with. What I've what I've got, he's you know he's he's laying down the gauntlet and saying, you know, I want to bring in players to improve this club and take them forward, which is exactly what should be happening at a club like Newcastle United. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Steve Bruce 
the whole Steve Bruce situation, which is how he's sort of portrayed on social media, I just think you have to throw that out the window because it's not an accurate assessment of the person that people who've had the opportunity to sit down and talk to him and you've been there yourself, you've been in the room with him. That is not an act. What people are saying about him being a clown and all that on Twitter, that's not an accurate assessment of, of Steve Bruce. Um, my particular generation, Steve Bruce was, he was one of the superstars of the early Premier League years, picking up trophies, scoring late winners, winning in Europe. The, the only amazing thing about Steve Bruce is that he didn't pick up more international caps and he was obviously could have played for England. He could have played for Ireland as well. He didn't get a cap. I think that was ridiculous, really. But that that's that's my assessment of him as a person, as a manager. He's gone in and done jobs that some people wouldn't have the ball to do. So he went in and done the Birmingham job to begin with, <clears throat> and he'd done a decent job. And that's when he was linked with Newcastle, and then later in his career, <coughs> he's had the he's had the sort of courage to take on the Aston Villa job. Um, he's had the courage to take on the Newcastle job, having managed Sunderland. Um, so I, I think he's a go-to guy. I think he he's, he's a straight talker. And people have got this opinion that he's, uh, that all the, all the press are like in his pocket. And But some of the debates in the press room with Steve Bruce, he's, they've been frank exchanges. They've been, he's had his say and people have, have had their, give, give their word back. And look, he's tried to, to run, you know, a steady ship. And I just think it's inaccurate. Some of the stuff that gets said about him, I know some of the records aren't favourable, but people said he was going to get relegated. He didn't get relegated. People said he couldn't motivate the team. He's gone out and motivated the team. You wouldn't be beating your Spurs, Chelsea's and Man United's of the world. People spoke about the, the FA Cup record. He got them the quarterfinals. Again, I'm not saying he's done a, a, a 10 out of 10 job. He's done a steady job. He's He's done a little bit better than some people have in the past. He's done better than, you know, Steve McLaren. He's, he's I mean, Alan Pardew got Newcastle in the Europe one year, but other than that, he's been almost on par with with Alan Pardew. So, look, he's done, a, he's done a steady job and you just hope that next season he gets a chance to put his own stamp on the team. Um, if not, who who's the next miracle worker to come in and do it? That's the question. And I suppose if the takeover does get complete, then he can leave with his head held high. Just a couple of quick fire questions then. Uh, in terms of transfers, the, the, the transfer signing that stood out for you? Well, I gave the player of the season award out two games early to um, Alan St. Maximan. And uh, it was a really close call between him and Martin Dubravka, who's been outstanding. But I just think that in terms of giving the fans something to to get excited about. When Anson Maximum gets on a ball, people get excited, um, whether it's been in the stands or before lockdown or people getting off the sofas, uh, you know, when he's been bursting forward in games. I think he's just a player that, that really deserves all the plaudits he gets. Uh, didn't, didn't have a great game against Liverpool the weekend, uh, got substituted, but... I think this season he's been the man who's given Newcastle that outlet. Unbelievable pace. 
Um, and you just, I mean, that for me, that game at West Ham stood out a million miles out away at West Ham because Saint Maximan, he 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 just tortured the the West Ham defence. <laughs> I've never seen a player, you know, break past the back four like that. It was fantastic. Hopefully, Newcastle get their tactics to the point where they're doing that more often. It's going to be harder for him in his next season because people now know what he's about. But I hope he. I hope he's going to be as big a hit as he was this year. I think he's been fantastic and that's my player of the season. Fingers crossed. Um, the game of the season then for you, we've had a, a few entertaining ones. I don't know, I, I, Everton is probably the one that maybe stands out, at least for me. What about yourself? The game that really sticks out this season? We've also had some terrible ones as well, <laughs> but uh, we'll concentrate yeah. on the best one. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of performance... For me, it would be Bournemouth away, and I know everyone goes, "Oh, well, they got relegated," but look at the response since that game. They shouldn't have gone down. Basically, they're a decent outfit. Eddie Howe's a de- decent manager, and they've got some decent players. But that day, Newcastle, they didn't give them a didn't give them a sniff from the offset. You know, they were four 0 up in that game. They could have been seven or eight 0 up, and they that they would have deserved that. Sadly, they couldn't get in that position. But uh, that, for me, was the performance of the season in terms of in terms of the home game. For me, that sticks out is Manchester United at home. Doesn't get any better than beating Man United. Um, local lad getting the coming off the bench, come through the academy, his Premier League debut. To, to come to come and do that and get the winner for me that was uh, that was fantastic and that you know I think Alan Shearer actually said it that it doesn't get any better for a local lad to, to come off the bench and, and score at St James Park um, that for me was a great game and a great occasion and the aftermath of it was enjoyable as well I think it went I think the next day went down to, <coughs> to Wolves and Boys Club and they were basically obviously rivals of the club that Matty Longstaff come from, North Shields Juniors. Um, and they were the first people to stand up and applaud him. So it was just a great sort of 48 hours. And obviously the camera going on to Matty Longstaff's dad, David Longstaff, who's obviously a, the Whitley Warriors player manager, <coughs> ex-Newcastle Vipers, and he's a, he, he loves the North East and just to see the elation on his face, he was so proud. He was lost for words the next day um, when I spoke to him. And I think he's just, uh, he deserved that moment. And hopefully that Matty Longstaff situation gets solved. Fingers crossed. Um, the most disappointing player or the, the player that needs to improve? We don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but uh, I think there's probably one standout uh, <laughs> we'd say next season. We need to see more from, we've, well, I'm saying Joe Linton, you might pick someone else, but from my view, I think we've we covered it briefly there in the podcast um, earlier in the show about Joe Linton. You know, he hasn't lived up to the price tag, not all his fault. Is that for you the person that needs to improve or is there someone else that you would say you, you want to see more from next season? Uh, to be honest, I think you could probably go, you could probably go around the whole dressing room, couldn't you? And say, have you had the best season you've ever had in your life? And I don't think anybody apart from Dubravka could turn around and say 
yes. You know, uh, I, I think there's there's got to be overall improvement. I think John Joe Shelby has obviously had an improved season. He seems to be settled. But it, again, it's consistency that he's probably lacked at times. Like the Man City away game, <clears throat> that night you needed leaders because you were under the caution. Nobody was, nobody seemed up for it. That was that was a terrible night. That um, I know it was against Man City, but it was a terrible night. Um, but I think Joe Linton will now knows what it's all about. Um, it's easy to sit here and say he should get ten goals, but nobody in that dressing room got ten goals. No one got double figures. You know, he's the guy who's coming this season, and he needs he needs support from the wings um, and he, di- he didn't get it so yeah I think overall I would, the answer I would give to that is the whole dressing room needs to to up things about 10-15% for next season and then if they can then uh, they might be uh, closer to that top 10 yeah I don't think anyone would disagree with that it'd be good to see them maybe up their performance and break into the top 10 just to get you then to grade the season overall, we'll say out of 10 in a, in a sentence to go with, um, how would you sum up the season? Um, in, in terms of marks out of 10, again, you would probably say about six, six out of 10. Um, it was a strange season in a way because the one week they would lose to Norwich, next week they'd be winning at Tottenham. And they just couldn't get the consistency right. I mean, if you look at it, um, they, they did well against the big teams. No doubt about that. Uh, even against Liverpool, they gave it a good go uh, without getting a without getting a win or even a draw. But they they battled hard in some games. But in terms of just consistency, I think that's been the the overriding. Sort of factor, um, yeah. If you look, if you look back at the fixtures, you know it, it was always a win and a couple of draws here, or two wins in a row, then they'd lose. I think the best they never they never won three games in a row in the Premier League. And if you go on doing that, you, you're going to be up and down, really. So. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot made after lockdown that everyone was like, oh, Newcastle looking good after lockdown, but they couldn't keep it up. So, look, at the end of the day, for me, I said on Sunday after when I was sort of leaving the ground, I said, when they're 1-0 up in games, they don't seem to have that extra little bit to to double the lead and then give themselves a real platform. (coughs) When they get back in the games, like Tottenham at home, for example, they get back in there at 1-1 and then within a couple of minutes somebody's mind's drifted, they've made a mistake and they're behind again and you can't do that in the Premier League. So, you know, you could go back to the Watford game when they were 1-0 they were up against Watford and St. Maximin went clean through and a little bit more composure there and that's 2-0 and then it's game over, almost. But it, instead he can't hit the shot the way he wants to and keeper makes a save I think it end up, ends up hitting the keeper's foot and then the second half they concede two sloppy penalties 2-1 that's the Premier League you get punished for mistakes and uh, 
that's pretty much the story of the season, really. So hopefully they can um, they can be a bit more consistent next season. Well, that's going to be the final question, Lee. It's it's what next? Obviously, large parts of it, or the majority of it, depends on the takeover. But you know, while that still rumbles on, you know, Mike Ashley will have to plan for the short term at least. We know Newcastle need a goal scorer because, like we've mentioned, Julian isn't an out and out goal scorer. For you, what what is next? What 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 do you want to see happen this summer? Um, I suppose that we need some clarity over the takeover from the Premier League first and foremost. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the takeover, it's pivotal to everything, isn't it? Really. Um, but even if you look at it, the most optimistic side, if it goes through, they've only got six or seven weeks to get ready for the start of the season. Six weeks, really. Um, so there's a lot of work to be done a lot of money to spend and takes can take a while to get a transfer done unless you are ready to go so let's see what uh, let's see what happens that's pivotal for me um, and Steve Bruce would be so frustrated finishing the season and still not still not knowing what's going on so this this meeting on Wednesday is going to be interesting with him, with him and Mike Ashley and uh, I think they're having a Zoom call so we'll, we'll see See what gets said in there, but it's uh, it, it it it's really tiring, really.